Good morning, and welcome to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. We explore issues facing Maine's coastal communities through dialogue with people who live, work, and play on our coast. From fisheries to tourism, from energy to environment, from economy to ecology, we go beyond the social media sound bites, probing deeply into complex issues and solutions. Coastal Conversations is produced with help from the University of Maine Sea Grant program, whose mission is to support Maine's coastal communities through research, outreach, and education. In partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Maine, Maine Sea Grant brings marine science to Maine people. We're about to engage in the heart and soul of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our coast and our communities. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour of Coastal Conversations. Today, our show is about the Maine Ocean School, a new public magnet school based in Searsport. The school's mission is to provide a multidisciplinary, ocean-based high school education for Maine kids. The school just opened its doors in the fall, so our listeners may not have heard about it yet. But I think you'll be hearing more and more about the Maine Ocean School as it forges deep ties with the community, with marine industries, and of course, with the ocean. On today's show, which, by the way, was pre-recorded, so we won't be taking any calls, we'll cover what it means to be a magnet school, what the Maine Ocean School curriculum covers, and how the community of Searsport has rallied around the concept of opening an ocean-themed school for kids from all over the state. We'll hear interviews with a bunch of people from the Maine Ocean School, including James Gilway, a Maine Ocean School founder and chairman of the school's foundation. Gilway is also the Searsport town manager and up until recently was a state representative. Bud Rivers, a retired Navy guy, is on the Maine Ocean School Board of Trustees, and here's the, he's the Searsport Emergency Management Director. And Gail Zidleski is also a member of the school's Board of Trustees, and she's the Director of Maine Sea Grant and an Associate Professor in the University of Maine School for Marine Sciences. So these board members and volunteers will tell us all about the Maine Ocean School, how it came to be, and what its leaders hope it achieves. But we'll also hear from the folks on the ground, including the school's first teachers, Leslie Gregory and Meg Begley, and perhaps most importantly, we'll hear from the students themselves. I wanted to know about the aspirations of these 12 brave kids. I wanted to understand what it was that made them take the plunge into this unique educational model and how it was going for them. So I headed down to Searsport a couple weeks ago, and to get us started, I asked them what they wanted to do after they got out of high school, figuring that would help us understand how they thought going to the ocean school might help them get there. Here's a snapshot of what each of them said. Um, yeah, I want to go to Maine Maritime Academy for the Marine Transportation Operations Program. And after that, I want to get my unlimited tonnage captain's license and possibly become the first female pilot at Penobscot Bay. That's like the plan. <laughs> I'm thinking about either maybe commercial fisheries or aquaculture or something along that line. I'm not sure about the whole college thing, but all I know is that I really just want to work with sharks. I want to go to MMA and probably do a dual major in marine biology and marine transportation. I'm also interested in going down south and catching a cargo ship when I'm out of college. Uh, well, I can get a decent job without going to college. Um, and make money right off the bat without any debt. I'd rather do that. Um, I guess what I want to do is just be on the water, so boat stuff. 
in any way. I've yet to decide, really, but I think looking more into it, I'm, I want to go to Maine Maritime Academy more and more. Um, and selecting a major has been a little hard. I'm really trying to switch between either transportation or engineering. I'm not really sure what I want to do for a career, but I'm definitely interested in looking more to aquaculture. I know for sure that I want to go to college. I'm just not sure where because I have a lot of interest and they all kind of fall under microbiology. So I thought maybe um, like marine paleontology would be cool and studying the compounds of water. Just really in anything under marine microbiology. I really, I'm very interested in deep sea exploration. And if that, if my career in marine biology doesn't work, I want to sail. I really want to travel around the entire world in a sailboat. Uh, I wish I could work at Front Street uh, for a while. Front Street Shipyard, it's uh, basically a boat shop. They take boats in and out of water, they store them, um, they work on them, fix them, paint jobs, whatever you need, they'll do. Well, I've been looking at colleges because I definitely want to go to college after school. And I've been looking at Machias because they have a lot of hands-on experience. And I have always looked into marine biology, but I started like I recently started looking into physical oceanography because I want to like study the ocean. A desire to study the ocean. That is the thing that binds all these students together. I was blown away to hear all these aspirations. Even for the kids who said they didn't know exactly what they wanted to do, they all had clarity that the ocean needed to be part of their lives. And what a gift that the state now has a high school program to help them achieve their goals. So now that we got a little taste of the students' hopes, let's switch gears and get to the background of how the school came to be and why. Here's... Uh, James Gilway. I'm the uh, town manager for the town of Searsport. And up until December 5th, I was the uh, legislator for the, for the region, uh, District 98. And uh, it covered uh, Searsport, uh, Frankport, Swanville, and Winterport. Great. And what's been your role with the Ocean School? Well, it was about 2014 that the uh, school district, RSU 20, asked me to bring the uh, concept of, of making a magnet school in Searsport uh, forward. And at that point, our district was larger. It encompassed uh, uh, Belfast and, and the surrounding towns around Belfast. And when it was uh, posed to me, it was a thought that uh, this school, if successful, would uh, help bring the communities of RSU 20 together tighter. Um, there was some talk at that point about uh, different communities withdrawing from the RSU. And, and further, they said, you know, and if it doesn't, uh, if for some reason we're not together, this is one thing that will help uh, the RSU, what's left of the RSU and Searsport, uh, succeed. So it was, it was, a, it was a mission that had uh, two consequences, and, but important to bring forward. And uh, so we started uh, drafting legislation at that point. Um, so I, I didn't realize that the initiative came from the RSU. Can you talk a little bit more about sort of how that came about from the school a system? Absolutely. It, it's kind of unique because the, uh, 
the idea of bringing a ocean-themed school came from the principal of the Searsport High School. Searsport High School has a capacity of 700 students between high school and middle school. And um, with the population in the area dwindling, uh, they were down at that point somewhere near 300 students. So they had half a school that was empty. And the uh, the principal at the time uh, thought it would be a good idea to, to bring this to the area here because it's it's so rich in maritime history. And he brought it to the superintendent and the assistant superintendent, who then uh, called me into the office and said, uh, let's see if we can get this rolling. That's really neat. And at the time, you were already town manager manager, and already a legislator? Yeah, I, I was a legislator at the time, and uh, I covered Searsport, so they thought logically I, I should bring it forward. Um, the interesting thing about that uh, whole uh, idea of, of the team that brought me in, uh, by the time it came to being in front of the legislator, uh, legislature, in front of the uh, Education and Cultural Affairs Committee, I was the only one left because we had already separated as uh, the communities the withdrawals happened from from our shoe 20 so all all the and the the principal that who brought the concept forward had moved on to another job the superintendent the assistant superintendent moved on to another job and the superintendent was in his final week of of employment he was he was leaving the RSU too so um, it was it was kind of a interesting to stand in front of the legislature and, and be asked the question, what is your vision for what the school should be? And I had nobody to turn to, so it quickly kind of became, uh, it, it did kind of become my vision of, of, of what would be. But, but it's not like it was, I didn't invent the wheel or, or, or think of anything. It's so logical for, for this town to be hosting a, a school for uh, education for maritime education because we've done it before. In 1853, there was an article in the Republican Journal which was inviting students, young, young men at the time, unfortunately, uh, but inviting people to come down and, and join a maritime school in Searsport. Uh, they had a head headmaster, and they were teaching uh, folks how to uh, sail in, in uh, uh, masted schooners. Wow. And, uh, of course, masted schooners were replaced by the steamship, so the school didn't survive. But um, it it was here, and it went away. And so we were actually, you know, not reinventing the wheel, bringing it back to where it should be. That's really neat to know yeah. that history piece. Why do you think it's important for this region to offer opportunities for students to have a different approach to education and one that connects them to the ocean? Well, it, it, when when we were in in Augusta fighting for the bill, uh, one of the things that was asked by one of my fellow legislators was, "Why don't we see if there's other places in in Maine and maybe have a competition so people could compete for it?" Uh, this legislator was from uh, the Bar Harbor area, and and as legislators do, they try to bring concepts and things to their own area, but but quickly um, I made. I made an argument about it in that Searsport is uniquely uh, situated on the coast. We have Penobscot Marine Museum, which is a partner. We have, uh, we're, I joked about it, we're, we're three miles away from Maine Maritime Academy. 
course, it's 26 miles to get there by road, but, but we look right across the bay at it, where we have the Hutchinson Center in Belfast. We're situated kind of halfway between the Darling uh, Marine Center and uh, University of Maine Machias, where, where uh, they're doing a lot of work in, in marine sciences. We're very close to Unity College and really not far from uh, University of Maine. And all those things uh, put together, I believe, make us a very unique uh, location. We have uh, resources on the coast. The kids on this uh, campus are two blocks away from the water. So when they want to go down and uh, learn to sail or they want to study marine life right on the beach, they can walk to it. We, we don't have to put on a bus. And we have a port. I mean, there's only three uh, ports in the, th- in the three-port strategy of Maine. Uh, uh, of course, Portland, Eastport, and Searsport. So they can actually see uh, the transportation industry at work uh, right within basically walking distance of, of where they're going to uh, be teaching. So that doesn't repeat itself anyplace else. And I said, if we open it up to... Uh, a competition, if you will, uh, we are at a disadvantage. There's very few representatives because of the population up in this area. And I think a school like this would be moved south because there's more representatives and senators and and more um, more ability to uh, lobby for it. And so I think, it, I, and I really am grateful to the Education Committee for realizing all the assets that we have right here. Can you talk a little bit about um, the legislation and why it had to go through the legislature and how that happened and what what was the reaction with your colleagues in Augusta? Well, pretty quickly, I I learned the difference between a a public school, a charter school, and a magnet school. And because we are proposed and, and finally became a magnet school, we are a state resource. Uh, the only other magnet school in the state of Maine is the math and science school up in Limestone. And that was started by way of legislation because it is owned by the by the state of Maine. A charter school being sponsored by an individual group, they go through a process uh, to, to become uh, a charter school, and there's only 10 slots for them. Uh, we did not want to be a charter school. We we wanted to have the state of Maine realize the importance of this industry and and the fact that it's part of our heritage. If you look at the Maine state flag, one side has a farmer and the other side has a sailor. Uh, we needed to come back to realizing we're a maritime state. We're a maritime country. We were founded on the Maritimes. We're a maritime state. Searsport is a maritime town in a maritime state in a maritime country. So it is very uh, important to realize we have a history of sending good people to sea. And um, we, we've we kind of moved away from that base of, of education. Maine Maritime Academy is a fantastic school. And they're doing a great job at keeping that tradition alive. And their placement rate is in the high 90s. And they're putting young men and women on ships and out to uh, study marine life. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were providing on a high school level kids that were better prepared to move on either to University of Maine for marine sciences, 
Unity College or to um, Maine Maritime for transportation. It, we, we need to start at a lower level to prepare these kids for a better career. And all along this journey, all that I've heard, it's a very easy sell to people. I hear people who are in the industry, either marine science or, or transportation or engineering, saying, I wish that school existed when I was a kid because I would have been there. So bringing that excitement and that uh, institutional knowledge from people who are doing the job to the public and realizing this is a this is truly a gem. This is a an asset that hopefully will um, continue to grow. I'm, I'm sure it will continue to grow. And on a from a personal perspective, you've long been a public in the public service <laughs> field. Um, you're a busy human. What drives you to dedicate? your time and energy and creativity to this project? Well, originally it was it was just a concept and it was given to me. And, and like all bills, you kind of go to Augusta and you, you throw it on the table and you kind of hope that people will coalesce around it. But uh, what happened with me is I started to realize, uh, in fact, uh, the Commissioner of Education told me, these schools generally only succeed when there are people back home who have a passion for it. And I look back and and I have uh, I have people in the community with, with real passion. I, I want to throw a, a shout out, I guess, to, to Wayne Hamilton. Wayne Hamilton called me before the uh, school was even brought to the legislature and said, he had heard about it, said, what are the chances that we're going to be successful? Because I want to contribute. And he is the owner of Hamilton he Marine, He owns right? Hamilton Marine. And he had the building right on the waterfront, the Hamilton Scene Loft. And he and his wife, Lorraine, uh, decided before the school even became into existence to uh, donate that to education. And uh, we didn't exist, so they they gave it to the Penobscot Marine Museum for education with the idea that we're going to be here eventually. And that's become the Hamilton Learning Center. And and what a great, great uh, contribution not only to the school, but to the future of of our kids in the state of Maine. So there were people in the community with great passion, and I realized that um, I needed to uh, bone up on it and and become uh, passionate about it too. What do you hope for the kids who choose to go to the Maine Ocean School? Well, I I, I don't think it's our job to steer them in any direction. I think kids are going to come to this school with a passion for the water. In fact, the the 12 kids that are attending today all have a passion. They all don't have the same vision of where they're headed, but this school should be exposing them to all of the aspects. In fact, the concept is in the first year, you have to look at all the, all the marine tracks that are available and then uh, realize the opportunities that are out there. Because the jobs there in the Maritimes are satisfying. Uh, a lot of people like to point to the money. Well, you know, people on ships make a lot of money. It's not even that. It's the satisfaction of, of your job. Because if you love what you do, it's not a job. Uh, and we hope that these kids are going to come to this and they're going to realize their their passion fulfilled and they're going to go on and, and, and just have successful, happy lives. That was James Gilway, Searsport Town Manager, who helped found the Maine Ocean School. You're listening to Coastal Conversations with me, your host, Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant. 
Today, we're sharing interviews conducted with leaders, teachers, and students at the new Maine Ocean School, the public magnet school focused on the ocean and based in Searsport. These interviews were pre-recorded and we're not taking any calls today. Let's hear next from a couple other board members about what drives them to dedicate their time to putting the Maine Ocean School on the map. So I'm Gail Zedleski. I am the director of Maine Sea Grant and a faculty member in the School of Marine Sciences. And about two and a half years ago, I was contacted by James Gilway, who was putting together a board of direct or board of trustees for the Maine Ocean School um, and was looking for a marine scientist. So I sat down with James. He explained the vision of what he had been thinking about of creating a magnet high school for students who are interested in marine related opportunities that might keep kids in school and get them into career paths that either involved higher education or um, trade related opportunities. I became intrigued and started meeting with the rest of the Board of Trustees members and have been involved ever since. When you first heard about this, what compelled you to become involved? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, So being in the School of Marine Sciences and teaching in the undergraduate uh, university level curriculum, um, students come in at different levels. So part of what I was thinking would be really interesting in the School of Marine, Marine Sciences was interested in was could we have students who are even better prepared for the curriculum and help them kind of achieve more within our curriculum? Within the curriculum at the University of Maine. At the University of Maine, yeah. So that was one of the first things from a job perspective. From a personal perspective, just having, and I'm starting to get goosebumps, um, (laughs) a connection to the ocean starting in seventh grade. I mean, my interest, I didn't live on the ocean, but in seventh grade, our seventh grade teachers focused on marine biology and they brought us on a whale watch and that totally turned my entire perspective on what I wanted to do down the line. So knowing that you could potentially affect or um, interest someone at that seventh grade level, I was thinking, well, the high school level is really somewhere where students could have an opportunity to connect with the ocean and knowing. And one of the things that I heard a lot from the other board of trustees members was there are already students out there who are really interested in the ocean, and when they go to public school, they're disconnected from that. And if they had an opportunity to stay connected to that, they could potentially stay and be a part of that marine-based economy that we have on our coast. So that really that connection, I thought, could really be well-built in a high school uh, curriculum. What do you hope for the students? Mm. I hope that they do stay connected to the um, ocean curriculum. It's, you know, it's challenging to have it maybe all the time. So it's, you know, it's right now it's somewhat an experiment to see how this works for them. Um, I've been hearing good things and I'm just hopeful that we can connect them with some community partners and give them some real out of the classroom, hands-on practical experiences that may help them think um, into their career paths and into the future. So I'm hoping for our juniors that they get connected with internships coming up this summer um, that really kind of plug them in or help them really think about, is this the right thing for me? You know, I don't, realistically, some of the students may not, you know, they may realize this isn't 
the right thing for me. So I think we as a board need to be realistic that some students won't stay um, in, in those tracks potentially. Um, so I am just hopeful we can find the passion for each of those students and help them really find their way. And if that means they go into marine science at the University of Maine, yay. <laughs> um, and if it means they, you know, go a different way, that's, you know, that's good for them. So it's really about their passion and, and what they want to follow. And hopefully, even if they don't stay in ocean-related fields, they've learned to be critical thinkers, mm-hmm. they've learned enough subject matter, they've learned sort of self-confidence and right. how to mm-hmm. solve problems that they'll find their voice in whatever field. Yeah, and you know, over the last year, one of the big things that keeps coming out of discussions with other leaders who are folks in the industry and in various different disciplines across the coast, what they're looking for in people coming into their workforce is someone with a really good work ethic who has team building skills and who can look you in the eye and give you a strong handshake. Um, So really it's building some of those kind of skills in the students that I think we need to um, really help them move forward in their high school path. What's been maybe something that has happened mm-hmm. or a moment in your involvement where you just were like, wow, this is a really good thing? I think the biggest thing is the diversity of people who have been interested and involved in, in the development. So for myself as a... Um, as an educator at, at a university institution, I knew very little about high school standards. <laughs> um, so having teachers from the regional area come together and help talk about, you know, how can we meet standards and what does that look like and how does that come together? And then also the, the folks that I've been working with on the on the workforce side of things. So meeting various people in transportation industry, captains from different types of ships, as well as um, people in the aquaculture industry and how, you know, how do they think about their workforce and look into the future. So it's been an amazingly diverse group of people that we've been working with, but they're all so interested in allowing opportunities for these high school students that it just becomes a really special opportunity. That was Gail Zedleski, a board member at the Maine Ocean School and director of Maine Sea Grant. She talked there at the end about workforce training and the role of the marine industry in the development of the curriculum at the Maine Ocean School. That's a theme our next guest talked about a lot too, especially the importance of identifying what the industry needs in their future workforce and then training kids so that they can find meaningful work after high school or college and not have to leave the state. My name is Bud Rivers, actually Alman Rivers, everybody calls me Bud. I am a trustee for the school. I am also the clerk and the treasurer for the board. Um, I grew up here in Searsport, uh, graduated from Searsport in 1963, graduated from the Naval Academy in 1967, spent 11 years in the Navy, spent another 32 years in the nuclear power business. I've always wanted more maritime stuff. This town has a tremendous maritime history. We've got the best sheltered deep water harbor on the east coast of the United States. 
Uh, we've got 12 square miles of water out there that's naturally more than 40 feet deep at mean low water. Its used capacity is used about 10%. I had to leave this state to make a decent living. I don't want our kids to have to do that. Sorry, I get emotional about this. When I heard about this, I wanted to get involved. Uh, um, late 2015, uh, James Gilway asked me if I'd be a member of the Board of Trustees, and I jumped on the chance. I was excited about it. Uh, so in early 2016, we started putting together, what is this thing we're going to put together? We had the legislation. We started working on the program. Uh, the legislature says that the Maine Ocean School has to be a high-performing school, but we get to define what that means. We can go for the kids that have a passion for the ocean, not necessarily the ones that are the highest academic achievers, but the ones who really want to work on something that has to do with the ocean or with going to sea. Whether it's going to sea, whether it's like I did, or if it's going to work in shipyards like I did at times, uh, or whether it's doing marine research, or lobster boats, or fishing boats, or you name it, uh, boat building. Um, we want something that excited kids. I'm disappointed in what I'm seeing coming out of some of our secondary schools in, one, their ability to entertain and engage and uh, get the kids to achieve uh, performance, prepare them to go into the workforce. Uh, I spent a lot of time in training in the nuclear power business, so I know what we had to do to train people that came out of either high school or college to make them actually useful in the industry. And so when this came out, we could we could redesign the school, we could redesign the way they learned, they could get experiential learning, we focus mostly on experiential learning, performing while they're learning, or learning while they're performing, rather than sitting in a classroom wondering, well, how the heck am I ever going to use this stuff? I want to take you out there and let you build a boat, and then introduce you to the, tell you what it was and the math that you learned while you were doing it. Because I think you're going to learn, most kids are going to learn better that way. You said um, earlier that you felt like kids need to sometimes leave the state to learn the skills. And I, 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 I grew up, I graduated from high school in this, in this uh, town in 1963. Anybody that didn't want to work in a paper mill or dig clams had to leave the state of Maine to get a job. There were no other opportunities around here. What we want to do is we want to take kids that have a passion for the ocean, and we've built a program that will prepare them to either go on to higher education and be prepared for what they want to do, or to go out there in the workforce and be prepared to be contributing members of the workforce with a set of skills that they can put to work. And also the other side of that, and what we're hearing a lot from our industry partners is, 
when we say, well, what do you really need? And they say, we need a work ethic. We need kids with good, that can read and write, that show up to work every day, that if they know something about the business, that's a tremendous bonus. What, um, what inspires you to give so much of your time to the development of this school? Why is it important to you? Kids are important to me. I grew up with much the, and I didn't realize it until I just heard a lot of these eulogies about the, how my values that I grew up with match so much George Herbert Walker Bush. And you measure what people value by what they do, what they spend their time on. I can't help the adults here that don't care about how to protect themselves from man-made natural habits. But I can really help those kids learn. And then I got this opportunity to really help uh, the next generation learn how not to mess up the world quite as bad as we did. And to, to find their passion and go for it. Uh, and that's why I do it. It's If I can help these 12 kids or 50 kids or 120 kids, if I can build something that changes the way we motivate kids to learn, to motivate them to service, uh, then I've accomplished something. That was Bud Rivers, a member of the Board of Trustees of the Maine Ocean School. I ended up talking with Bud for over an hour, so that was just a few snippets of our conversation. But his dedication to offering kids a brighter future was a moving theme in our entire interview. The other themes I took home from my conversation with Bud included the importance of getting students prepared for jobs that will enable them to stay in Maine, and also the importance of giving students hands-on experiences that are relevant to their learning. When I talked with the students themselves, many were excited because, for once, they totally got why they're learning what they're supposed to learn. The curriculum feels relevant to them, and they know how they will apply their new skills and knowledge later in life. That's pretty cool stuff. So for the last part of the show, we're going to go back to the students themselves and also hear a bit from their teachers, because these are the people who are truly implementing the goals of the Maine Ocean School. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Coastal Conversations here on WERU Community Radio, 89.9 FM in Blue Hill, 99.9 FM in Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. This is a pre-recorded show, so we're not taking calls today. So let's go now to Leslie Gregory, the lead teacher at the Maine Ocean School, about what she thinks is exciting about the curriculum and about the experiential interdisciplinary methods that the students are thriving on. The part of it that I really enjoy is the small group of students, the what they express to you in terms of their focus on a future career. So they're not always struggling to find relevance and when is this ever going to make sense to me. 
it does make sense to them. And so they have a lot of trust in us that the curriculum we're delivering is going to matter to them in the future. But I think they also have a lot of evidence that it's going to matter because they're working with tools and they're doing hands-on activities or we put a paddle in their hands um, or a tiller in their hands. So I think they really feel that this is where the hull meets the water. I love it. That really, I mean, that's a gift for them to get the relevance of what they're learning in school. It's a gift for any student. It really is. It's not every day that everybody, not all students get that. And I heard you say, this would have really worked for me. And I feel that same way. And as a teacher, that's what I've been trying to do all along is help make it relevant to students or at least fun. It seems like the teachers at the Maine Ocean School, like Leslie Gregory that we just heard, and the students are in agreement. Let's hear what the students think. I think, in, like I was saying earlier, in schools we tend to, like public schools at least, you learn things that you're not necessarily going to use in life. I mean, it's important to know history and it's important to know math and all these other things, but knowing how to tie into your future and how you can... Uh, I guess, use it and makes it more intriguing to learn part of it. Um, and I think another thing is is having a really good student-to-teacher ratio is important. I mean, it's also, you know, it's, I think someone said earlier, but it's just sitting there with 20 other kids is hard to learn something, but when it's, you know, a teacher comes over to you every minute or something and is like, are you doing this right or how can I help you whatnot, it, you get a lot more out of it. So, like Peter was saying, most time in the public school system, you'll have students wondering, when will I actually apply this in my life? But here, the activities directly apply the subject matter to what we're doing or what we need to know in the workplace. So, I feel like the teachers and students are able to interact much more than in a public school. It's less of teachers speaking to students, but more with them. And also, since it's a much smaller class, we all get a chance to actually engage in the activities. Mm-hmm. It's like a big family, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we you all josh around with each other, we pick on each other and whatnot, but we all love each other in the Fun end. Times. You're so cheesy. All the material we're learning is kind of new to all of us. Like, none Mm -hmm. of us have taken oceanography. None of us have taken uh, navigation. Like, Mm -hmm. it's all just new subjects to us. So I think that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it makes it more intriguing. Mm -hmm. In what way? Um, Well, everybody needs to learn how to navigate. Um, And now we have GPSs that do most of it. But in case, like, your GPS fails or, like, your battery dies on your boat, well, if you have a chart in front of you and the proper tools, now you can figure out where you need to go. And you're all learning how to do that. Yeah. I see a stack of charts over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Yes. I think part of it is it's we're all we're all here and we all want to learn it. We're not, you know, we're, we know that everything we're learning is something we're going to use in the future. Yeah. Um, as compared to like regular school, we might be learning something like, why am I learning this? this I don't know what I'm going to do. But we know. Everything we're learning is something we're going to use in the future, and we know what it's going to go to also. We might mm-hmm. learn something that, how this will help us in the future. Yeah. 
Great. I also think it's more interesting and more engaging because the subjects kind of lock together better. I think in public schools, the subjects can feel really separate. Like, if you go to geography and then to math, it's, like, completely different. But it's sort of, because the ocean theme goes through all of it, I think the classes knit together better. And it's nice because if you, like, write an essay for English class, you can easily like connect it to a different class and mm -hmm. you know get a better grade on it because they're using different tracks and stuff so yeah. The students at the Maine Ocean School as you can hear are deeply engaged in their learning. I was impressed with their focus and I know that it takes pretty special teachers to be able to help their students effectively connect the dots between so many subjects without overwhelming them. So I wanted to hear more from the teachers. We'll get back to the students in a minute, but here is Leslie Gregory again, the lead teacher at the Maine Ocean School. So since you came from um, a more traditional educational setting where yes. you were teaching before, um, what's it like teaching in a program that is so that integrates so much the different topics? Different well, topics? that feels really good to me because I've always been an experiential educator and I've always looked for the interdisciplinary components of it. Um, I was a literacy specialist. I, was, I am a literacy specialist, but I was a literacy coach at the high school. So, and the way that Maine's Common Core and standards are written, um, ELA and literacy permeate every content area um, so that's not a surprise to me. I think it's a surprise to kids that when you're articulating a concept or even when you're doing something like this, you're exercising some of those skills that you need, i.e. for ELA or literacy, but you're also able to address other content areas. What is your specific teacher specialty here at the school? Do you, do you guys split the topics that you cover, you and the other teacher? Um, Meg's done a lot. I have more of a leadership role, so I'm the lead teacher and the curriculum coordinator. I do a lot of the um, communicating with outside resources and setting things up like transportation, field trips. But I do teach English and social studies and that's combined quite often in humanities where you're addressing multiple standards in different content areas. Um, I do some of the survival activities, some of the team building activities, oversee the navigation because we have students that are taking math at that time. So we work really well together, and um, we each get a slim margin for planning each day. So mm -hmm. we try and make it that um, we have at least 45 minutes to gather our thoughts individually, but that's about all we get. You're doing a lot in addition to sort of regular teaching. Yeah. You're incorporating so many different aspects of yeah. running this program. Yeah. What's the um, outside of the classroom? Classroom is maybe not the right word for your approach here because you're the the ocean is your classroom. But outside of academics, what's how is the relationship between the Ocean School and the Searsport community? Wonderful, wonderful. Um, it, people who live here 
are steeped in the maritime tradition and they're so excited that we have a school that is emphasizing that. So really from the community, the people that walk by every day, um, the people that we deal with, um, there's just been a lot of receptivity and um, enthusiasm and offers of support. It's been great. That's great. Yeah. That's and, great. and even a little bit further out, um, not just Searsport, but um, the Hutchinson Center has reached out to us. So as our kids said, they just completed an Oceans of Data course that we were doing at the Hutchinson Center. Waldo County Transportation has been helping us get from the Hutchinson Center to the YMCA. The YMCA has been providing us with um, time in the pool so that we can work on some swimming skills, um, getting them ready for maybe some certifications in scuba diving and other safety certifications. Meg can talk a little bit more about that, um, training them for the Navy, um, doing some of that training that they do there. Um, so I think even as we've moved out and, and then there's a whole bank of resources in Maine in terms of aquaculture and going all the way from Eastport down to the landing school in um, Biddeford. So there are partners all over the state that are kind of waiting for us to call on them. And we've called on some of them. Um, another example would be with the boat design project. Um, the Ocean School really has a committee that's called Workforce and Development Committee that has lined up all of those partners. So one of those folks put me in touch with um, a yacht designer in Belfast, Stevens Waring, and Bob Stevens has been coming in and providing a lot of content in terms of the physics of boat design and stability and displacement. Um, again, just how can I help you guys out? I can't come again this week, but I'll be here next week to work with your students. And he's always sending me um, kind of the curriculum he taught that day. So again, I think we just have a really broad base of support. Leslie mentioned Meg Begley, the other teacher that she works with at the Maine Ocean School. So let's hear from Meg, too. Uh, my name is Meg Begley, and I am one of the teachers here, one of the two. And my role essentially was science teacher, math teacher, and then kind of a jack of all trades, since mm -hmm. we both teach a variety of different types of classes. It sounds like as teachers, you guys have to do a little bit of everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's kind of, I feel like we're, we're back in the time of um, a little house in the prairie where, you know, like we're all in one big giant schoolroom teaching different grade ranges. Luckily, it's not, you know, elementary all the way up through high school, but yeah. we definitely have a, a varying variety of um, maturity levels uh -huh. and knowledge bases. So it's, it's been... Uh, it's been fun trying to figure out how to approach all of them from their different levels. Yeah. And what's your, what did you come from? So I started off with marine biology when I did undergrad, and then I kind of um, went through a lot of different science fields from there with a lot of different types of jobs. I kind of got into outdoor education by mistake, and I realized that I really loved teaching hands-on science. Oh, yeah. So I did a lot of that around the U.S., and then I worked on my master's at University of Maine doing fisheries. And... I missed that part of teaching. So, you know, like I love science a lot, but 
it's it wasn't quite the same doing the research and not working with kids and kind of sharing that passion. So when I heard about Maine Ocean School, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do, science as well as the teaching components. So um, so tell me a little bit about some of the ways that you're teaching science and math. In terms of trying to incorporate the math with the science, since I've done a lot of research, we did a lot of um, statistics and you know collecting the data and then having the students, once they collect data, trying to manipulate it in some cohesive way so they can understand what they collected. So where they're making figures and different types of charts, we've been working on doing that. But my, my big push is I want them to understand the science side. So in the event that when whatever field they go into, they're always going to encounter some type of data so that they can then, whatever the data is, figure out what's being said so they understand what's going on in the, the real world, which I think will be important. Nice. I was um, really impressed at the high school level how much um, direction so many of your students they do they do yeah they're motivated which is which is great for teaching because they they all know what they want to do and so finding that interest which is really hard when you have public school when a lot of students are there because they're forced to be there these kids they want to be here so there's definitely there's always some way that you can pull them in interest wise even if it's a subject that they don't enjoy That was Meg Begley, one of the teachers at the Maine Ocean School. Then I asked the students themselves what they loved about their time at the Maine Ocean School so far. How much fun it is, believe it or not. Um, So how much fun school now is for you? Yeah, you actually get up in the morning and you look forward to coming to it instead of going, oh. (laughs) I know, I haven't woken up and then like, not waking. Kids who get up and want to go to school because it's fun. That's every educator's goal, isn't it? So we'll spend the last few minutes of our show today about the Maine Ocean School, hearing more from the students, starting with some specifics about experiences, speakers, and field trips, and the many ways that Maine Ocean School kids are digging into the ocean-related topics that attracted them to this school in the first place. We have a guest speaker, um every week or so, sometimes every two weeks, something like that. Uh, Some captains, we've had uh, Mike Ames, Mike Flanagan, um, quite a few different people that have come in and talked uh, to us about their careers, how they got where they um, are, uh, what they really want to see for the maritime um, industry and discussed how the maritime industry meets new people and young people coming into it. And then we've had a lot of field trips. We've gone to MMA once, um, and then once or twice, um, something along those lines. And then we go to beaches quite a bit. We've gone to quite a few beaches, and we do beach profiling. So we find the slope of the beach, um, and our project for that is to see if it changes over time in different months, different seasons. Um, And then we've also done crab surveys, so we've... uh, done crab surveys and looked for crabs in various ways and we've uh, collected them and gotten data sets off of those and um, and we've done microplastics as well uh, so we've taken an area of a beach and um, sifted it for plastics and um, the plastics that we find we tie, try to figure out how much plastic would be on that beast beach that would be too um, small to even see. What's been uh, something that 
um, has been sort of unexpected in the field trips, like, with, like for example, with the plastics or with the crab surveys? Uh, Maine has some pretty clean beaches. That was yeah. pretty surprising. Like, when you're going through doing the microplastics, we found three or four out of, like, everyone's data, which I found really surprising. I was expecting way more than what we found. So I'm pretty proud of that. Go Maine. That's great. <laughs> Ooh. Um, minus the warming waters. And yeah. that's not our fault. That's though. real, though. For those of you who do not believe it is. And also, I found something that was surprising is that we find a lot more male um, uh, crabs, and we haven't found any native live crabs. We've only found um, European green crabs, uh, and so those are the only ones that we've found. I think we might have found an Asian shore crab, maybe one. Uh, those are also invasive. Yeah. Those are also invasive, but yes, we have, we have not. Found um, but we have not uh, found any native ones. We have found quite a few dead ones along the beach, but um, no live ones. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's really sad. Uh, hundreds said something of crab we we're, yeah. we're finding no, no, no. hundreds. It's not even like just twenty. It's hundreds. Um, and we're collecting them, and we're going to use them for projects in the future. Uh, so we have humanely euthanized them by putting them in our freezer. <laughs> and they will stay there until we have a moment in our time to defrost them. Defrost them and take care of them and try to find out ways um, to use them and how we can start taking care of our invasive crab um, issue. What would you say to students who are thinking about coming to the ocean school? All kinds of hands. Awesome. Let's go back here, and then we'll come this way. Oh, no. Yeah. I think... Wait, but Heron, you didn't have your hand raised. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Oh, come on. Come on, Matt. Continue. <laughs> so I was going to say, I think they should do it because it's really cool. Great. What makes it cool? <laughs> oh, well, it's just pretty different how they have kind of like a focus... So, if you know that you want to do some sort of career that's related to the ocean, this school is, like, made for that. Great. I was going to say, if you've got a passion for the ocean and you think you're going to end up pursuing it in life and that's what you want to do, it's definitely worth looking into because, you know, it, it's pretty much helping you and it's setting you up for what you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, I think that if you don't have a passion for the ocean or are second guessing it, this is probably not the school for you because it kind of sets you on a path to like a maritime only type of industry. Which, I mean, I I could be wrong and I could be accepted to way more colleges, but like, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, I'm only applying to maritime colleges. So if you think you're not going to want to do that in the future, this is not a good school for you. That's good. Good advice. I think May had something to add on to that. Yeah, I don't think that it's not that the schoolwork won't set you up to be able to get into other colleges, but I think it's just that if you're not interested in it, you're going to find the classwork here really frustrating, because mm-hmm. that's basically what we talk about. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But I do agree with Abby that if you're not into it, just maybe don't come. <laughs> <laughs> so um, mean. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find a nice way to say don't come. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, a big thing is is if you have any passion towards it, um, we're all a great group of kids. 
really fun to be around. We have lots of laughs. Um, sometimes drive our teachers insane a little sometimes. bit. Um, all the time. All the time. Uh, and we have a lot of fun, and um, we will accept you and come in and enjoy yourself. Um, and try something new. It's definitely worth it. So That's great. How about over on this side? What do you guys think? What would you say to your friends who might be thinking about it? I don't know really everything that Abby said kind of applied because <laughs> I think things are a lot easier when you're interested in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so if you're interested in anything marine related, this is a good school to come to. Great. Anything to add? Well, I... <laughs> this, that is why you come here. <laughs> it's just so much fun. <laughs> And that wraps up our show today about the Maine Ocean School. If you want more information about the school, or if you know a high school student for who the school might be a good fit, they're accepting applications for next year. You can find more information at www.maineoceanschool.org. I wanted to thank everyone I interviewed for this story, including board members and leaders James Gilway, Bud Rivers, and Gail Zedleski, teachers Leslie Gregory and Meg Begley, and most of all, the 12 students who boldly jumped in as the Maine Ocean School inaugural class. I have a feeling that in 5, 10, or maybe 20 years, these are going to be the leaders to watch as they take Maine's coastal and ocean economy into the future. Coastal Conversations is produced with support from the Maine Sea Grant Program at the University of Maine, bringing marine science to Maine people. Join us from 10 to 11 a.m. on the fourth Friday of each month. Our show's theme music, A Following Sea, was composed and performed by Paul Anderson. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, host of Coastal Conversations, wishing you a good morning.